Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to let you know this episode contains um, talk of uh, child death, self-harm, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, uh, suicide, um, drug abuse, alcoholism. I mean, it's got it all, okay? And if that means that this would be a hard listen for you, then skip this one and I'll see you next week. Hey guys, Princess here, and welcome to another another episode of By Pumpkin. It is nine o'clock on a Friday night. <laughs> it is late for me recording this episode. In fact, I could have recorded it a little bit earlier, but I was too busy watching the end of Inside Out and crying. <laughs> um, what's the best the best Pixar movie, and why is it Inside Out? Um, uh, was I watching it with my kids? No, I was watching it alone. <laughs> They were watching something else in the living room. And I was sitting on my bed, doing some work, watching Inside Out, and crying. Um, when are we going to get our Inside Out uh, sequel? When are we going to get that? We were promised a sequel. I mean, by promised, they hinted at a sequel at the end like they do at all movies. <laughs> and I want an Inside Out where Riley is going through puberty and like dealing with, I mean, Inside Out is about a girl that is, um, her family's uprooted her from Minnesota and she's moved to San Francisco and it deals, it basically deals with depression. I mean, in a, in a cute way. And, um, you know, the moral of the story at the end is that like, am I ruining Inside Out for you guys? <laughs> Not ruining, that's an old movie. Um, the moral of the story is that like, uh, when you try to, when you try to act like everything is always happy and you won't let sadness in, you even make it, you make it even worse. And that happiness and sadness are equal counterparts in this world and that you need both to, you need to acknowledge both to get through things. And the more you run from sadness, the more it'll catch up to you. That's the moral of the fucking story. And it is an excellent movie and uh, it needs a fucking sequel. Even a directed DVD sequel, I'll take it. Shit. We had like three Aladdin sequels. Where's our Inside Out sequel? <laughs> anyway, it is late and I need to do this episode. Um, before we get started, let's do some show business. Next week's Thanksgiving. I'm not going to have an episode. I would love to do an episode, but I also need to... Um, I need to spend time with my fucking family. <laughs> and I need to like make sure I'm resting. Like if I were to, if I were, if I had my way, (laughs) I would do every day. Like it was a Monday. Like I would do the same type of stuff, the same type of work every day. Like it was a Monday. There would be no Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays or Saturdays or Sundays. There would only be Mondays. That's that. I, I love Mondays. So, but the thing is, if there are only Mondays, there are no rest days. And as much as I dislike my routine being being um, uh, disrupted, the fact is, I'm not a great person when I don't do rest, when I don't take time off, when I don't do, I'm just not, a, I'm just not, um, I'm not at my best. So it's important that I take rest days off, even when I'm thinking, oh, I could probably do it. No, 
take the rest. So next week there is no bonus episode on the Patreon. There is no main episode on on Sundays like you're listening to right now. Um, that's okay. Uh, last week I, well this week, excuse me, on the Patreon I did an episode on Rachel Dolezal. I also did an episode on the Motel Kids of Southern California last week on the main feed episode. There is a ton of content on the Patreon. I mean, I just finished the Celebrity Rehab um, series. I've also done a lot of intervention episodes. I've also done a lot of um, true life episodes. I mean, there's a lot of shit to listen to. So go back, listen to something fun. And um, yeah, I'll see you the week after that. Um, another thing I want to remind you guys, I am currently, um, promoting by pumpkins merch shop. Do I like promoting merch shop? No, I don't guys. I don't like asking people to buy things. I'm not a consumer like that. I'm not a shopper like that. And every time I have to go somewhere and ask someone to buy something, I bring out into a fucking cold sweat. Um, it's why I don't like dating. It's why I don't like looking for apartments. I don't, I don't like looking for jobs. And part of it is because I don't like selling. I don't like doing that. I, I mean, this is, this is like when my husband dies, okay. And he is going to die. I know. Don't tell me not to speak about it. It's the truth. He is going to die and I'm going to outlive him because facts. I'm going to outlive him when he dies. I promise you, I will not go out on any dates. And the reason I won't go out on any dates is because I refuse to sit somewhere and try to sell my someone sell myself on someone liking me. If I were to ever try to date again, I mean I'm just gonna have booty calls just so you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna date. I'm just gonna like invite people over, fuck them, and then send them on their way. But I'm not dating anybody. I don't know where I'm gonna get these people Craigslist. I don't know but <laughs> But if I were to start dating, this is what I, this is how I try to sell myself. I just list all the bad things about myself. Like, you think you can handle that? You can? All right. (laughs) I am so bad at selling stuff and asking people to buy into things. And so just by the fact that I am mentioning that Buy Pumpkin has a merch shop, I am doing something very hard for myself, but I'm doing it for a good cause. Because remember... At the end, everything, every piece of profit we get from the merch shop from now until the end of the year goes to the Central Texas Food Bank. There are millions and millions of people in this country who are food insecure. And like, it's not, the, it's not always the people you think, right? It's a, there are so many people that you don't know about who don't know where their next fried bologna sandwich is coming from. And let's fucking help them. Let's let's spread the fucking wealth. And the one one way to do that is to buy something from the merch shop. And whatever profits come, we're gonna donate that to the Central Texas Food Bank because they have a big sponsor matching donations through through the end of the year. Every dollar we donate will buy eight meals for someone in need. Guys, if I don't. Have you guys ever been hungry? And I don't mean like the fridge is over there and I don't know anything in there and we'll Postmates deliver and do I need to drive to Chipotle? Not that hungry. Like my stomach hurts and I don't know when the next meal is going to be hungry. I have. And it sucks. 
It sucks. No, no, no. Let's, let's like, let's erase that feeling for some families this, this year. And yeah, um, you can go to buypumpkin.threadless.com. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link on all the social medias. Do that. Um, and I will be eternally grateful for you. I can see every sale that comes through. I see that people are buying things. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you guys are going to be drinking coffee out of a buy pumpkin coffee cup. And that $4 of that is going to go to the fucking, um, Texas, central Texas food bank. So there I did. I did my bit. It was very hard for me. I probably need to take a break so I can wash these clammy fucking hands of mine because I hate asking people for things and I hate trying to sell people on things and I hate telling people to buy things. But, <laughs> but I love the idea of somebody, some people who didn't know where their next meal was coming from being able to like take that fear off the table, at least for a little bit of time, you know? I love that part. So I'll do the hard part to get to that part. So as you guys know, Buy Pumpkin Season 8, which is all about the mob wives, is over. And we're taking a couple of breaks, doing some palate cleansers in between the next Season 9, which will be on Rock of Love. Very excited about Rock of Love. You guys know I love an around-the-way girl, you know. So I definitely love a trailer park girl. And so I'm really excited to do that that um, season. Um, it is my favorite of love. So that's great. But until we get there, that starts December 12th, okay? Until we get there, we need to, you know, do some freeform stuff, you know? And today, we've got a commissioned episode. The episode was commissioned by, what am I trying to say? Ro, I think. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not saying it looks like just Roe. Um, we've got a commission episode from Roe um, on the last days of left eye. Okay. So how do you get a commissioned episode guys? This is how you do it. You email me at hello at buypumpkinpodcast.com and you tell me what you want, want me to talk about. And I, I mean, there's very few things I won't talk about. That last episode I did on the Rachel uh, Divide, that documentary about Rachel Dolezal, I did not want to do that. But I think it ended up being a pretty good fucking episode. Um, so there's very few things that I'll, that I'll be like, I absolutely will not do that episode. And mostly it's because I can't find the content or because um, I, I, someone had contacted me about possibly doing a uh, Elizabeth Holmes commission episode, but... I'm waiting for, I should check in on that. I was waiting for the court date to, I was waiting for the court case to end because I wanted to be able to put a a capper on it. Um, But yeah, there's very few commissioned episodes that I have to say I can't do that. Um, It's mostly because I can't find the content for it. But email me at hello at buypumpkinpodcast.com or message me on Patreon if you're a Patreon member. And... um, it costs 20 bucks and I'll do an episode for you. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But um, I'm actually happy that uh, I got a commission episode for The Last Days of Left Eye. I had been recently, I mean, the reason they commissioned it is because um, I had been talking about it. I had gone down a TLC hole. Mm, the reason I gone down a TLC hole is because I was on 
that Funko pop website looking for what I was looking for is BTS uh, pops and what I particularly what I was looking for is my bias gins pop and you guys all know I've talked about this before um uh of k-pop stuff um BTS is not my I shouldn't like them because they got too many members for me they're boys and they've been doing a lot of English songs I don't like English songs um I don't like English songs from K-pop uh, uh, artists mostly because then they don't make any sense. And I don't know they don't make any sense when they're in Korean. I mean, I do know they don't make any sense because I always watch with the closed captions on. So I do know what they're saying, but I don't care because I can't really tell. And so, so um, but I love Jen, who's the oldest in the, in the group. Um, he's... I think he's 28 now because, and at 28, you have to, you, you, it, it, there's a cutoff date for joining the Korean army and like, it's going to force a BTS hi- hiatus because they have to go. There are no exceptions or they, they don't make exceptions for pop stars. Um, you, you have to go serve in the fucking army and you have to do it by the time you're 28. I think you can get an extension or whatever. Jin's my favorite and he's my favorite because in terms of dancing and even singing, um, the way they talk about the members, they always have him as last. And I feel like what a come up, like they just found him on a bus and he was tall and cute. And they were like, yeah, you want to be in the group? And everyone else had been studying dance. So they've been going to special dance schools and they've been auditioning and doing all kinds of, uh, uh, battling in the underground rap <laughs> and Jen was just on a bus and I love that I love that um so he is my favorite um I'm always happy when I see him I love his good boy vo- face he does his good boy smile face he does I love when he makes everyone laugh I love when he misses dance steps I love all of that I because lo- because he's he's not the least talented <sighs> Maybe he's the least talented dancer. It doesn't matter. He's He's been dancing for fucking a decade. He's way better dancer than anyone I fucking know. But I just like that, um, you know, he just got off a bus and like his life changed. And now he's in the biggest pop group in the fucking world. And yeah, and he just is. So he's my bias. And I was looking for a pop for him because I have, I have... Ava DeMarnay, I have the goalie from Mighty Ducks, I have Salt and Pepper, and when I was on there, I saw that they had TLC. Now, if you guys don't know, I can draw a straight line from my femin- from my f- brand of feminism, my feminism, to Salt and Pepper's very necessary album, okay? Straight fucking line. It was, it came out in the nineties. My dad had a cassette and a CD. I borrowed both of them and wore them the fuck out. I used to ride it. I used to like put on my, put on my Walkman or my CD man later and like walk to the fucking library to pick up my holds. I was probably rereading Moss Flower series cause I love that fucking series. Could have been rereading the Babysitter's Club. Love them too. <laughs> And I would listen to Salt and Pepper talk about uh, <laughs> how a hooker 
how a hoe ain't nothing but a hooker without a fee. And, and about how they'll fuck who they want. Don't fucking tell me. <laughs> and how men suck. The streets are hard. Don't tell me what to do with my pussy. <laughs> I mean, all their lyrics are written by, by a man. Um, Herbie. And, uh, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> And I loved it. It was it was the album with What a Man on it. Um, I I just I just loved it. And like much of what I think about, much of what I when I talk about the rules of womanhood, my rules of womanhood, they come from that from that era. I was very impressionable, and I was just like learning at the feet of Salt and Pepper and Cinderella. Okay, Cinderella. Excuse me, I said Cinderella. I'm so sorry. She gets enough disrespect, guys. Don't make me get into it. But as much as I talk about that, the reason I was I recently revisited TLC is because um, like TLC is all is also a cornerstone of my feminism. Um, TLC, that ooh on the TLC tip um, CD, I used to play every fucking day after school while I was doing my homework. And, you know, they just be like, I'm not dealing with your shit. You're not fucking me raw. <laughs> I do what I want. It's my vagina. Leave it alone. I'll let you know. Now come over here and service me. Now get out of here. <laughs> uh, there is a song called His- History. And it's his story, not history, but that's how they spell it. It's about how people always believe men and not women. <laughs> and fuck those men. And if you want to get with me, you if you want my loving, then you need to be listening. <laughs> and what about your friends? What about them? What about them? And so <laughs> it was impressionable. I would play these fucking songs and I'd be like, yeah. I didn't let no fucking man tell me what to fucking do. This is my pussy. Like, I mean, I didn't say that because I would not have used the word pussy. <laughs> but, but I like, I got the gist is that basically this is my shit. And so, and so um, TLC has always been a special group for me. Um, and so I bought the Funko, uh, the Funko figures um, and I had done like a thread on um, Twitter at the time. I'm still on Twitter. I've taken a break. If you guys have been looking for me, I've taken a break from Twitter and Instagram. I don't fucking miss it at all. At all. Um, I've done like a little thread on Twitter and just about TLC and about how influential they were to me and how like Lisa would just have like you know, a pair of glasses with a condom as one of the lenses. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. That, that, that's fine. <laughs> and how they would wear baggy clothes and, and they would dance and they were all about a smooth five feet fucking tall. <laughs> and, and like, uh, T-Boss sounded like nobody nobody on the radio she sounded like nobody 
her voice was so she sang deep and low and she also had a very androgynous look that I was extremely attracted to um before I knew the word stud right because that's you know that's my fucking type right um I've talked about this before Samira Wiley is my type I love Samira her eyes are so beautiful I love her with her bald head I think she's been growing hair I'm not into that but she's so fucking beautiful that's my type and like there was an attraction to T-Boss that I would not be able to name for another five or six years um I just I just really love the group they seem to be writing music for young black girls by young black girls and perform by young, and I was like, okay, this is my niche. And while I was talking about like, I was just pointing out things that, um, about them that were like, so, um, I was just having memories about them. I remember like when Creep came out. So Creep doesn't come out until, uh, shit. Let me double check. So Ooh on the TLC tip, which is their, first, their debut album came out in 1992, but um crazy sexy cool which uh really came out two years later in 1994 and i remember being in high school singing um like i was in the car with my mom and she she always listens to the radio and we were going i don't know where we were going probably going to fucking big lots or something and it came on and I just forgot I was even in the car with her and I just started singing Creep to myself. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't Creep. It was Red Light Special. Red Light Special. I'll give you the Red Light Special all through the night. <laughs> and I'm like, got my eyes closed and I'm swaying. I'm just singing about how baby it's yours, all yours. If you want it tonight, I'll give you the Red Light Special all through the night. When I was done, you know, doing my performance, my mom looked over him. I opened my eyes to see my mom staring at me, and I was like, what? And she's like, what are you doing? So I'm singing my song. And she was like, your song is Red Light Special? I was like, yes, that is my song. <laughs> You know, you might as well be honest because the body never lies. And so, like I was, I was, so my tweet thread was just about moments of reminiscing about that. And towards the end, I talked about how in 2007, I think that's the year, this documentary came out and it was, it came out on VH1 and VH1 Soul, you know, VH1 black people. And so, um, but it's a documentary called The Last Days of Left Eye. And I named it as one of the two things I've ever watched and didn't have anything to say afterwards. The first is Requiem for a Dream. I was at a friend's house watching it. We, I don't know, we were just chilling. He was like, let me put this movie on. And so I put, he put it on. And, you know, I talk. I love to talk. Talk, 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 talk. I have a podcast where twice a week I get on here and talk for hours to myself. And so <laughs> I can definitely fucking talk. And I watched that fucking movie. And I ain't had shit to say afterwards. And he was like, damn, you don't have anything to say? You always have something to say? I was like, I gotta go home, man. <laughs> and The Last Days of Left Eye was the other one. And what really struck me about it, I mean, the concept is this, is that there are uh, Lisa, Left Eye Lopez, 
um, the crazy and the crazy, sexy, cool, the group, the rapper, um, she's got a round face. Like she always looks like a kid. She has big eyes, um, which is part of the reason she was called left eye. Boy, it once told her her left eye was prettier than her right. And, <laughs> and she used it as the moniker in the group. Um, but she has these big eyes and a big round face and she always wore bangs. Like there's, there is very few photos I've ever seen of Lisa without a big bang and it made her look young. And so she always looked like she, and she's tiny. They're all tiny, but she's really tiny. She, it made her look like she was, you know, you know, fucking 14 years old forever. Um, what is it? What was it talking about? Oh, so Lisa had gone down to Honduras and was trying and was doing, it was filming footage to talk about her life. And she was going to make a documentary. And in the middle of this 30 day, not in the middle, toward, right towards the end of this 30 day trip to, to Honduras, she dies. And it's a found footage documentary is that someone, they found, they got her tapes that she left behind and kind of edited them into sort of a cohesive story. It's not a long thing. It's about an hour and a half or so. And, you know, I think they did a fine job. Like it's, I enjoy watching it because I enjoy TLC, but it is found footage and they had to do, make the best of what they had. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, so I talked about Lisa, her being the wild card of the group. Um, I want to talk about the group, the group. So TLC is Atlanta as anybody else. And Atlanta is the black Hollywood. So escape. Um, like when I, when I rewatched, cause that night I was, I was like, I did get the pop figures by the way. They're here. They're, they're sitting here watching me do this fucking, this fucking podcast right now. Um, cheering me on. <laughs> but, um, when I want, when I was going to that reminiscing of that night, um, when I watched the video for What About Your Friends again, there's a young ass Jermaine Dupree in that. So, so Jermaine Dupree, the brat, uh, outcast. Uh, in the doc, they, they mentioned Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown was center, was like, was based in Atlanta. I, you know, I would love to talk about Bobby Brown, guys. I would love to talk about Bobby Brown. I'm going to figure out a way I can talk about Bobby Brown at some point. <laughs> but, um, and obviously Whitney as well. Um, that's the only time anybody started talking about Bobby Brown and said, obviously Whitney as well. <laughs> and that was his whole fucking problem. And so, um, but there is a huge musical scene in Atlanta. Um, I can go on naming groups, but the more I name, the less you're going to know who they are. I mean, you obviously know who fucking Criss Cross is, but 112, Cherish, like, but you have to understand at this time there is a huge musical renaissance happening in Atlanta black music renaissance R&B and hip hop and TLC was a part of that um part of the the, the thing is oh Tony Braxton um is that people like Babyface and L.A. Reid were based out of Atlanta. And if you don't know who they are, they are super producers, okay? Um, oh my goodness, I can listen to this Babyface right now. <laughs> they, they are responsible for 
much of New Jack Swing. If you don't know what New Jack Swing is, it is it is essentially it's R&B with rap in it. It's essentially what most of most hip hop like in the la- in, in in recent years is, but before your Bobby Browns um <laughs> I cannot believe I'm talking about Bobby Brown. Before, before a certain era, there were not people that were mixing R&B vocals and rap. Okay, they just they just weren't doing that sort of thing. And late '80s, early '90s, people started doing that, and then and they called it New Jack Swing. Um, technically, "I'm Your Baby Tonight" from Whitney Houston is a part of New Jack Swing. Um, and it was written by Babyface and produced by L.A. Reid, I believe. Um, so it is. So, so like, but that stuff is very Atlanta, all right. So at the time, Lisa gets into TLC. She is just in Atlanta from West Philly, is where I guess where she was born and raised. On the playground is where I spend most of my. Never mind. Never mind. And so, so she's from West Philadelphia. So she had just done a music video. She had $750 in her pocket and she thought she was rich. She, like Lisa grew up in a very turbulent household. Her, she, it's her, a sister and a brother. Her father is, her father's entire family is musically inclined, inclu- including her. And her mother used to say, okay, so I already hate myself for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is quite obvious that Lisa has ADHD, right? It is incredibly obvious. Um, her mother talks about the, the fact that she brought her home from the hospital and she never sat down again. She talks about starting projects and not remembering them and moving and like forgetting about them and then starting a new project. She talks about difficulties in school. She <laughs> like classic ADHD symptoms. But um, growing up, you know, um, her father was in the army he played the band in the army she said he could play any uh like any instrument in the world she talks about being able to play the piano when she was like four she'd go home she'd go to the movies and remember things and be able to pick it out on the piano and let me stop right now i'm going to choose to believe lisa like it's obvious that many of the things she's saying is an exaggeration like does her father know how to play an ocarina I, I don't know, <laughs> but, but like, I'm not here to fact check like shit, like how many instruments her father could play. And, um, she, you know, like she talked about her, her uncle being a famous tap dancer with these famous black tappers and her grandfather being a band leader of the cotton club. This is probably true. I, I'm, I, I don't, but like, I don't fucking know. And I don't care. But she just grew up in like a very musical family and she was always doing stuff. She could draw really well. There's a lot of her drawings in this doc. Um, She would model and dance and rap and sing and she'd be in every talent show and she'd always be doing shows and stuff. She's like a no, she's like a born fucking performer. You know what I mean? Um, So when I say she grew up in like a turbulent household, her mother and father fought. A lot. Her father was a drinker. He was drunk a lot. Um, she downplayed some of the stuff in this doc, but I have also seen her iconic behind the music with TLC, which anybody in the world should be watching. It's one of the best behind the music they ever fucking did. 
Um, I'll talk more about it soon. And, um, she, her father, her father was abusive. Okay. He, other, like it, it's clear that he beat her mother and he was very strict to the point of being abusive with her, her, her and her siblings. Um, and she, listen, Lisa's, Lisa's the mouse of the group. Lisa's a clown. And she definitely did like a, um, very funny reenactment of something her father would do. Like if something was on the floor and he'd be screaming and stuff, but like, I get that. Um, I can, I can tell very funny stories about my childhood that are actually really sad moments, but I've, I've turned them into like comedy and like when you take away her mannerisms and the way she was doing everything, the fact that her father's like screaming in their faces about a pen on the floor is not funny. Um, so her parents break up and Lisa talks about, so her mother moves them down to Florida and she, she's vague, but at some point she ends up staying with her father's mother back in Philly. And she said that her father's, her grandmother was like mommy dearest and how she would, um, hold things over her head only buy her clothes for church and say, that's the only place you're going to look good. And she would, um, hit her and like play psychological games with her. And like, she, she was really stressed out living there and her, um, you know, her grades were going down cause she was going through it and her, her dad would ground her from report card to report card. She was always grounded, but, and he was super strict with her. And the one thing he would let her do is drink. So he'd be drinking. I'm so I can imagine, like, I'm, I'm just imagining him drinking from like the afternoons and she's drinking with him and she developed a really high tolerance. Her father thought it was very funny that she could take back so many fucking beers. He'd be like, look at her go. And, um, although Lisa did, wouldn't really talk about, she wouldn't call herself an alcoholic, but the truth is, uh, she abused alcohol and it caused a lot of negative consequences in her life, which we'll get to. Um, but this is the start of it, drinking with her father in like high school. She ran away from home a lot. And finally, when she was 17, she was gone for good. And she went to Atlanta. Lisa's father ends up dying maybe four years before she, um, gets in the trouble, um, with the fire and everything. Um, I, she doesn't say this specifically outright, but obviously her father isn't a huge part of who she is. She has his musical talent. She drank with him. Um, she was a daddy's girl and he was abusive and he was also uh, a lot of things. Um, he dies, like the way she describes it when he dies is that he got into a fight with a cousin he used to always beef with. Like, they used to always just fight with each other, okay? And not like, not like in a beefing and, I'm, and I'll never talk to you again, but like, we arguing today over fucking cards and we're gonna get into it and maybe we'll throw some shit at each other and then, you know, tomorrow I'm gonna come over with a pack of beer and we're gonna sit down and drink again. And she says her father would get crazy when he drank. Um, that's her words. He, he would get crazy when he drank. And I'm like, but he drank every day. So what does that mean? 
But um, her, him and the cousin got into it again, and the cousin shot him, and he died on the way to the hospital. And um, again, she doesn't express that, but I can only imagine that. I left a lot of, a lot of unresolved shit on Lisa. A lot of shit with her father that will never be resolved. And it's connected to her drinking. It's connected to her self-esteem. It's connected to this relationship I'm about to get into. It's connected to all of those things. And, you know, it's a very sad story. But when she gets to Atlanta, before, well before her father dies, when she first runs away to Atlanta, um, things start looking up for her. She falls in with T-Boz and another girl who they end up kicking out of the group. <laughs> and they get signed by Pebbles. Pebbles, was her last name Edmonds? Babyface's name is Kenny Edmonds and Pebbles was his wife. And she signs him to like a management deal, right? So guys, one of my favorite things to do is to watch the new edition uh miniseries <laughs> and if you've ever watched it you know that people in the in the music industry people often sign you to a management deal and then the management gets signed to the to the to the label and that's what happened is that she got signed to a they got signed to a management deal with pebbles pebbles then was signed I don't know, maybe i'm not saying it correctly Basically, the deal with the label, LaFace label, which is L.A. Reed and Babyface's label, um, was through Pebbles, all right? So, and and once Pebbles in the group, once Pebble has the group, they've got Lisa, T-Boz, and they bring Chillian, who's a dancer, Okay. Pebbles is mommy dearest number two, okay? She is so fucking mean. She is always yelling at them. She is financially abusing them. She is doing all kinds. Their deal sucks. She's um, Chili and Dallas Austin, who's, who, who produced quite a bit of their work and wrote and produced quite a bit of their work, um, are in a relationship which mirrors Salt and Pepper because Herbie, who wrote and produced everything they did, or almost everything they did was in a relationship with Sandy Salt, and it would cause drama in the group. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so and like at one point, Chili gets pregnant, and uh, Pebbles basically calls her a slut, and like uh, Pebbles really mean. Okay, <laughs> she's a really mean, light skinned lady. I don't know how else to describe her. Do you guys know Pebbles' song? Pebble had songs in the 80s. One of them, um, I think it's called Best I Got. I'll be giving you the benefit of a doubt. No, it was definitely called Benefit of a Doubt. <laughs> I could be tough, but I choose not to. <laughs> she just, she's basically... <laughs> she's a light-skinned mean lady. That's what she is. And... um. And she used her connections to Babyface and L.A. Reed to sign groups. And this is how she made money. Um, so, <laughs> uh, like, 
through Pebbles, this is why TLC, after, when they are doing Crazy Sexy Cool, um, are talking about how file bankruptcy, they, the, the group file bankruptcy. And um, like again, if we go back to that behind the music doc, behind the music uh, episode, there is an iconic moment where Lisa explains the point system of albums and how and what recoupables were. That's where I found out where, what recoupables were from that behind the music. And how she explains that like, you need to pay this, like for your videos, for your touring, for all this, like they paid that money out and now they want, and now they're gonna want it back before you get your money off yourselves. Like they had sold 10 million albums and they were broke. And she was explaining the math how, I mean, it's the best math lesson of all time. No, it's, it's epic. Basically how they sold 10 million albums and came out with $300,000 each. And how she's like, yeah, that could buy you a nice house. And it certainly can buy you a nice house in Atlanta, buy you a fucking mansion in Atlanta. I mean, in Macon. <laughs> and she's like, but how do you, how are you going to pay your bills in there? And, and that's essentially what happened. They, they had some really fucked up deals. And when their third album, Fan Mail, comes out, they are, they've, they've renegotiated deals. They're, they're in a new position. Okay. Um, and it's the last album Lisa will ever do with TLC. Now, so now I've explained to you TLC. Let me explain to you how Lisa Left Eye Lopez burned down Andre Risen's house. Okay, so <laughs> Lisa, again, Atlanta. Atlanta bitches stick together. I've told you guys a million times that time I did the episode about the Braxtons with Kara, who I consider an Atlanta bitch. <laughs> Atlanta bitches stick together, all right? If you have an IMDb page in Atlanta, you have been to Candy Burris' house. You can't because they all know each other. All right, they all fucking know each other. Atlanta is big and small at the same time, and so many people in entertainment live there, and so many of them do their thing there, and they all know each other. But um, Lisa meets Andre Risen. Andre is somebody who plays a sports ball, I believe, for the Atlanta Falcons because that's the oh the Braves. They have an Atlanta Braves, so, so I know two teams in Atlanta, and. Andre didn't play baseball. So the Atlanta Falcons, he's a football player. Um, and she, they met, she was 22. They dated on and off for fucking seven years, almost all her 20s. And, you know, uh, she basically explains that she met him in a club. He was following her around the club, um, an Atlanta club. <laughs> There's footage of her in the club on this documentary. <laughs> and it's one of those clubs where... I feel like I've seen Bow Wow in this club on like uh, growing up hip hop. Okay. I feel like I've seen Bow Wow in this club. It's just a stage. <laughs> the club is a stage basically. <laughs> it's weird. But anyway, she in this club, she, you know, everywhere she went in this club, he would show up near her and um, he invited her over, I guess. And she went over there. Um, and when she got to this house, he had this big, beautiful house, but there was no fucking furniture in it which is very much, I just got to, I just, you know, I just signed a big contract, <laughs> you know? And she goes, why don't you have any furniture? And he's like, I was waiting for you to get here. And she went there and never left again. Um, 
Andre and, and Left Eye had like an incredibly volatile relationship. Very passionate. She said he, I mean, he, she didn't use these words, but she, the word she uses that she never got a chance to say, I love you. He would always say, I love you. And she's, and her thing to say was, I love you too, because he would love bomb her. Okay. So he was, he would buy her things. He was incredibly generous. He was, he was always having, you know, he, he was, uh, very passionate, but he was very jealous. He didn't let her go places. She didn't go out because he get, used to get upset, but he would go out. He would cheat on her all the fucking time. And she said, it's the first person that she ever cheated, ever cheated on her. And she stayed with him. And like, I can understand that. Like here she is. She's so young. She's, she's with this, um, you know, this famous and also Atlanta loves its own. Okay. So, you know, all those people I was naming, like groups and shit from Atlanta that you that you don't know who they are. Atlanta fucking knows. Atlanta loves its celebrities. It's one of the reasons why, like, do you guys remember on Real Housewives of Atlanta when um, Shamari came on? She's from Cherish. And she's married to, uh, fuck, what was his name? I thought he was so cute when I was younger. The dude from New Edition. He, Ronnie from New Edition. And like, you know, the Bravo blogosphere, <laughs> blogosphere, the bra the Bravo podcast sphere is very white. And they were all like, who is that? What is it? <laughs> and I'm like, that is like an extremely famous black person, guys. New Edition was an extremely famous group. All your groups that came out, all your boy bands that showed up in the late 90s were all ripped off of fucking new edition <laughs> and like the success of of a new edition and there and then later a boys to men like boys to men came from new edition and um like i'm probably gonna do an episode one day not anytime soon i'm gonna do an episode about new edition one day because i don't think people quite understand how important new edition was which is why I know so much about fucking Bobby Brown and it almost feels like my Bobby Brown stand because I'm always talking about Bobby Brown, but I'm not. I'm just, I just know a lot about Bobby Brown because he was an important part of New Edition. He was an important part of Ghostbusters too. So, <laughs> so that's why I know so much about Bobby Brown. But, but like there are all these white podcasters being like, I don't know who these people are. And I know you don't know who they are because you don't know about black gossip, black celebrities, and Atlanta is it for black uh, celebrities. So like, <laughs> it was just like grating on my ears to hear the, the guys on, um, people on Bitch Sesh and like, uh, watch what crap is and stuff. I'm like, you do not know. <laughs> You do not know that most of the black people, when this man gets on, when he gets on the screen or when Shamar gets on the screen, they're like, yeah, we know who that is. Um, it's kind of how like when Eileen Davis got on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and I was like, Eileen Davis. And I was like, I do not know who that fucking is. Is it Davidson or Davis? I still don't even know her fucking name, but everyone was so fucking happy to have her on. I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is, guys. And it was like that in reverse. Why am I talking about this? 
Oh, so Andre Reznor was like a big star in Atlanta at the time. So's Lisa. They're a power couple. And their relationship is toxic. He's jealous. He doesn't let her go places. He beats her. And like Lisa describes it as the two of them fighting. And I get it. I fucking get it. Like a lot of times when people think about abusive relationships, they think of like a woman with like her hand to her head going, please stop hitting me. And that's like, and that's the only type of abuse there is. Just like there are a lot of people who only think a sexual assault can occur if someone's hold got you by gunpoint and forcing you, but like there are all there are all kinds of layers to sexual assault, and there are all kinds of layers to domestic violence. <clears throat> I was in a, um, a domestically violent relationship, and I never like just laid on the floor while he beat me up. Like we were tussling. The difference was he was a very large man, and basically would kick my ass. Um, I just never went down without swinging. That doesn't mean it wasn't an abusive relationship. It wasn't a fucking abusive relationship. Um, and the same with Lisa. Lisa's a smooth five feet tall. And Andre was six feet tall and, and a fucking football player. And the two of them had a toxic relationship. Like, he was arrested for beating her in a club uh, and shooting a, a gun. I I believe he hit her with the fucking gun. Like, they fought all the fucking time and you know it was like one of the worst kept secrets in Atlanta and when I'm talking about the cheating like so he says that when she says that like she came home one day his car's in the driveway the bed's made up and he's nowhere to be seen she finds him in the guest room butt ass naked and she's like what are you doing and I'm sure he said some dumb man shit like Oh, I'm just in here naked for no reason. And then she finally finds a girl in the closet wearing a pink coat and pink stockings and that's it. And like, she said she was so surprised, so hurt. But he would do that to her, like stuff like that to her all the time. He was very controlling. She had to ask permission to do stuff. He beat the fuck out of her. Um, I'm sure it, start, it, start, it started off as like a a fight and then he would end up whooping her ass um, and probably made himself feel better about it because... Uh, she was fighting back, so, you know, uh, he'd tell people she was, he'd probably tell people she was crazy, you know, she's so crazy, and she was doing this and doing this, so I had to, you know, I was just trying to secure her, so I had to bust her in her fucking face and throw her, you know what I'm saying, like, that type of shit, so, he's been staying out later and later and later, and one night, she decides she's gonna stay out late, she's gonna teach him, she got her girls with her. She got she got a freakum dress on. You guys know what a freakum dress is? <laughs> it's a dress. What the fuck is a freakum dress? I, I it's just one of those things you either know what it is or you don't. It's a freakum dress, a club dress. <laughs> I left my man at home tonight. Dress. <laughs> she got one of them dresses on. She she's coming home late. She's coming home so late the sun. She beat trying to beat the sun home, right? Her and the sun are racing home, which is a old timey saying. It just means that it's almost fucking daylight. <laughs> and she gets to the house because she's gonna get there and be. She's drunk, 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 drunk. Again, Lisa has issues with alcohol. Doesn't like to talk about it. She's drunk. She gets there, and he ain't there. She pissed because her plan, fucking, she meant to like have him worry, have him looking for her, have him, you know. And 
she he ain't there. And he rolls up five minutes later. Okay. Five minutes later. And she's like, fuck. And he, you know, he gets out of the car. He sees her. He sees her in the dress. He's like, what are you wearing? What's going on? They, he said, she says something, he says something to her. She says she doesn't remember what it is, but he got slapped for it. And they start fighting. They arguing in the house and shit. And they go upstairs and he like beats the fuck out of her, chokes her, throws her on the bed and shit. And (sighs) fucks her up. And they fight all night and end up going to sleep. And when she wakes up, he's not there. She goes in the, the mirror and her face is fucked up. She's got bruises all over and shit. She's like, I can't believe this motherfucker. I'm going to kill him. I can't believe he did this to me. Oh, by the way, the whole time they're fighting, she's blacking in and out. Because she's fucking fucked up. So then she's probably still drunk the next morning. She goes to the closet. And there's just shoes, sneakers, and sneakers, and sneakers all over the place. And there's no size four. That, that phrase, and there's no size four. She said that in the behind the music. And that has lived rent-free in my fucking head for the rest of my life. There's no size four. She's like, I'm still drunk. There's all these shoes, and there's no size four. And what that means is, again, this is how fucking little Lisa is. She wears, the, she's got the shoe size of a fucking toddler. Four, a four. <laughs> so all these shoes are for him, not her. So she gets upset. She told, and she's just over. He don't, he's been standing all night. He don't give a fuck about her. He cheated on her. He beat her up. And now he done got all these fucking shoes and didn't even think about her and get her a fucking shoe. <laughs> and so this isn't funny. I'm, I'm laughing at the culmination of all these things happening at the same time. And you having, and the, the, the last straw being he didn't buy you any fucking shoes. So she takes the shoes, she throws them in, in, in a, um, in the bathtub. She gets her lighter fluid that she uses for a barbecue and she pours it all over and she sets it on fire. Now, she's done this before. She had, they got into an argument and she'd taken a bunch of teddy bears he'd given her, thrown them in the bathtub and set them on fire. And then it like fucked up the bathroom and they had the bathroom redone. But this time it didn't have, it, it was made with like a more flammable material for some reason. So not only did it go up, it went up. The whole fucking house burnt down. And her sister had to get her out of there. Her sister... Like, she was just staring into the flames. Her sister had to get her out of the bathroom. And the whole fucking house goes up in flames. And, yeah, it was a problem. <laughs> um, a lot of people could have died. It was, they had all those fucking firefighters out there. I mean, it was on the news and shit. I mean, when she was arrested, they took pictures of how, like, fucked up she was. And, you know, uh, Andre is a man. Andre is a sports ball player and we know how we like to protect them. And also she is the one that set the fire. Now she, she said that she didn't understand why she got in so much trouble for an accident. And I like, it wasn't an accident though. You definitely, you meant to set the shit on fire. Now, did you mean to burn down the whole house and some of the other houses in the neighborhood? No, but you, you set this fire on purpose and recklessly and you had no business doing it. So, She ends up getting in a lot of trouble. Um, she's on the media everywhere. Um, she ends up getting five years probation. I mean, a lot of trouble. Okay. 
She's lucky she wasn't in prison. She's lucky she had money to get a, a, a lawyer who she says was smart enough to tell her, shut the fuck up and let him like do the talking. And she she's fortunate because her ass could have been in fucking jail. Um, but she got five years probation and she got court ordered rehab, a diversion center center. Um, which she didn't want to go to. She didn't believe that she was an alcoholic. She said every day she would stand up and she'd be like, hello, my name is Lisa. I'm a Gemini. Hello, my name is Lisa. I'm a recording artist, but she would never say alcoholic, but it was such a strict environment that she felt really at home there because her father had been so strict with her growing up. So, I mean, her and Andre got back together after that at some point. Um, he wasn't visiting her in the diversion center as much. I mean, keep in mind, her, she, there's so much media surrounding this shit. And he wasn't really visiting her. He was like, oh, she's, he's fucking somebody else. And she wrote, she, she shows in a documentary where she wrote, I love Dre in her arm with a fucking razor. And she talks about it like, I wasn't trying to kill myself. I was, I knew there was going to be some blood. I just, you know, I was missing him and he wasn't seeing me and I just wanted to prove. And I'm like, okay, that's self-harm right there. Like, like you, you took the, the razor out of a lady big and carved this shit into your arm. Um, in a deliberate and way in which like, but she, but you know, when this came out, it was 2007, and apparently... Well, when was it filmed? Let me just make sure I have the right... It was filmed from March 30th of 2002 to April 25th of 2002. And so, like... Like, I don't think she had the words to explain. Like, what she was doing is she was having intense, bad feelings, and she was using the pain of carving words into her arm to alleviate that um or to cope with that excuse me not alleviate and you know when she got out of rehab uh, they got into some argument in a barbecue she he thought she he, she was flirting with his friend and she got so angry that she went and got another razor and wrote hate over the love part um and it's very prominent like it I could it it bled a lot I could I could see what what and she she talks about this very casually. Um, but one thing she she is clear about is that the press behind that fire really made crazy sexy cool go. Like it's one of the reasons they made so so they sold so many records. It's because there was so much press around Lisa at the time. Um. They did, I think it was Vibe. They, they, they were on the cover of Vibe in fireman suits. They, uh, Lisa's, so one of my favorite, um, I, I consider it TLC canon, but it's not. It's this song called Ladies Night. And it's Ladies Night and it has um, a lot of, it has uh, Angie Martinez, Lil' Kim, um, Fuck, I, her name just went right out of my head. Lisa Ray's sister, the brat, and uh, Lisa Lopez on it. And Lisa Left Eye Lopez. And it has like every black female. And Missy, Missy produced it and she's on the track too. And it has every like black female, like famous person in this 
in this video, like Mary J. Blige is in the video just doing her dance. And and it's about, and it's called Ladies Night. It's about this island where these ladies go to dance and sing and and have men rub on them and drink and shit. And Lisa, like, and and it's such a special video. Like, I love this fucking video. It reminds me of the same energy as um, Brandy's I Want to Be Down remix. Brandy's I Want to Be Down remix has Queen Latifah, Yo Yo, fuck, MC Light. Somebody, I'm missing somebody. I'm missing somebody. Um, and Brandy singing I Want to Be Down on it. And it is such a powerful piece of music. It's black women, rappers all great voices I mean all great verses excuse me and so those two things belong in the same category to me they're just a joy to listen to and it's interesting because I don't think we'd ever get something like that like in the 90s those were um important like things to happen and we'd never get something like this we'd never get a Nicki Minaj and a Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion and fuck I'm sorry, all the names are coming out of my head right now. But we never get four female rappers on a track with an R&B singer and like just like just like vibing. We never get that right now because the competition aspect of it is too is is too intense, you know. But anyway, Lisa's in this video. It's funny to me. And her verse is so funny. Like, and it's, her, her, her verse ends with, she says, strictly a bell ringer. Uh, lay another finger on this big back wolf, Miss Lady Rap singer. I'll be the one to blame as the flames keep rising to the top and it won't stop. She... <laughs> She did not give a fuck about burning down the house. She didn't give a fuck about burning down the house. And she didn't give a fuck about like what people thought about it. She it's it's just it's just another example of like how tongue in cheek she was about it. Like she just was like, Yeah, I burnt down the bitch. What? What? <laughs> um so she was in rehab when they uh recorded Waterfalls. And it, you know, her her um verse on waterfalls is from a true story like she got two hours out of rehab to go record it and it was like she was riding in the car and she looked up she saw a rainbow and she's like really appreciated because she didn't really get to see things anymore um so like crazy sexy cools some of the lyrics some of the verses and also much of the press push on it were reliant on the fact that lisa burnt down this fucking house and she didn't have a problem saying that um she when she was winning an award she shouted out the atlanta police department like she really did not give a fuck uh but the success was also tougher because the thing about lisa she had she always had other projects she wanted to do um and it felt like she did fan mail which is the last album she was a part of and it when did fan mail come out let me make sure i'm saying the right fan mail came out in 99 um and so it was the last thing and she died in 2002. Um, but like she really, it felt like she did under duress. Um, even though like it debuted at number one, sold so many copies. 
But by then she was going to Honduras a lot. You know, she was, and what was she doing in Honduras? Um, Lisa was really getting into Dr. Sebi. And who is that? Dr. Sebi is, was, he's died since, in 2016 he died, was, it depends, he's a very controversial figure in the black community. Um, he was an African living in Honduras and a healer, he, he would say. I mean, he was not a doctor. He had never been to no, uh, he ain't been no place to get a doctorate. But he was someone who professed to be able to heal like people one, through herbs and diets and things like that. Like he, could, he said he could heal cancer and AIDS and just about anything that could ail you through herbs and through cleanses and things like that. I mean, he actually like was arrested for pretending to be a doctor in New York. And I mean, he'd been sued for different things. I, I, there's some, there's a complicated story about how he was treating Michael Jackson and Tito only gave him $10,000 and he sued Michael Jackson. And like, I don't know, but he's a very controversial figure because you guys know what a hotep is. I think I've explained what a hotep is. A hotep is so hard to explain. A hotep is usually black. I don't know anybody who's not a hotep. I don't know any hoteps who aren't black. Who really focus on like, they really like to be, try to be different, okay? They, <laughs> they love talking about Africa, but they only want to talk about Egypt. They don't want to talk about no other parts about Africa. They love talking about how uh, the black woman is not submissive enough and how... Uh, Black women, the, the reason that they don't have no men is because they talk too much and they want to do this. And they all, they all, the type of person that will come up to you and call you queen, you know? Um, they uh, hate gay people. I, I've never met a whole tep that, that didn't have some really problematic views on gay people. But they will act as if they are, like, doing research and, like, getting information that we don't have and how, and then as soon as, and then as soon as like you tell them something like, I don't know, the COVID vaccine doesn't have a microchip in it. They say things like the government's brainwashed you. I, it's very hard to like, I know a Hotep when I see one. Okay. <laughs> and Hotep's loved Dr. Uh, Selby. And he, he, um, I still feel like I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. But I've really, I've only read his name. I do not, I've, I've never, like, I don't watch YouTube videos about him and stuff. Um, and, like, there are people who will fight you over that man. Because they, they're like, he was, he was trying to help the black community. He was trying to detox you guys, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, he also was, like, money laundering. And some, I think he, I think they caught him carrying $37,000 to a fucking airport. I believe he was in Honduras to avoid extradition. And... Like a lot of faith healers, he, you know, people searching for something gravitate towards them. I see how that happens. And, you know, he's, he's talking a good talk. And, you know, Lisa loves astrology and numo numo numerology. And here's this guy saying that, like, all your problems, you need some herbs. If you go on a couple of cleanses, it'll be fine. You know? And so she'd been going down to Honduras to meet with him and talk with him and, and spend more time with him in the jungle. 
And so she just, like, she just stops showing up to shit for TLC. Like, they would have to go on trips on, like, uh, PR shit together. They'd be on TR, TRL alone, like, uh, Chili and T-Boss, and she just wouldn't show up. Um, and it culminated in... At some, so it culminated, and at this point, she's also like talking openly about, uh, she's, she's doing kitchen table talk out front. Um, basically, what she's saying is like she's going after, she's talking about problems she's having with Dallas Austin, what Dallas Austin's trying to charge them for stuff. And this is like, I don't know, by, by going public with this type of stuff, she's alienating the members. Like, I think this is Chili's baby daddy. And he's also the main person that write that wrote and produced their music. So like, I mean, not that they didn't write, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Part of their formula is Dallas Austin. And she's like doing interviews talking about how he, you know, you know, he charged too much and they in a fight and this, this, and this. And she ain't trying to hurt nobody's feelings and hurt nobody's baby daddy, but this, you know. And she's like calling in places and saying that she wants to battle the other two girls in the group for... Who can who can do who single can do the best? And she's talking openly about how much she hates like one of their biggest songs, which was Creep. Um, and I don't know. She just she she had gone rogue kind of a bit. And I mean, she'd always been a bit rogue, but she's gone rogue. And so she's down in Honduras all the time. When you see interviews from that time. She seems intensely unhappy. Like she feels it. It's quite obvious that she feels like stuck in TLC, stuck in their success. You know, um, like you guys just want me to do this, and um, I'm not sure which happens first. But two things happen. Oh, by the way, when you look at interviews of her this time, she is incredibly skinny. And she's always had a bit of a round face and she just looks different. I mean, obviously she's also 30 and, and not 22 anymore, you know, but you can tell she's, 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 um, doing something different. And she's also talking a lot about her newfound knowledge from Dr. Sebi. Selby. So two things happen. She is doing an, um, and solo album, which she's talking about a lot. And she's so excited to do something where she can just do her thing. It's not what three of y'all want to do. And here's the thing. Three is really hard. Okay. Cause three, somebody's always on the outs. Very rarely do all three of you guys getting along exactly at the same time. Usually it's two and one, 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 one. One and two, but never, very rarely it's three all at the same time. And so because Lisa is, you know, kind of a mouth, uh, she's also drinking a lot still. Um, and they always say that when she drinks, she turns into somebody else. She, she has a person named Nikki that comes out and, and then she has another person. Like, I'm, I'm like, this is, she, she's like, maybe the whole problem was I was splitting my personalities. I was like, I don't I don't know if you're splitting your personalities or just calling the shitty person that comes out when you're drunk a new name. Like, I don't think that's what you were doing. I don't think you need to stop naming them. I think you, or maybe you should stop naming them and just take responsibility for the fact that when you were doing things when you're drunk, that is also you. 
But like she just a lot of stuff's going on. So she so she really she really wanted to do this album and she just didn't want to have to like deal with what they want to do and everything. And she's been talking about it, all the new things she's been doing and all these interviews, and then the record company shelved it. And then I don't know what she was having first, but at some point, she's supposed to go to an important press conference for TLC in LA. Uh, Chili and T Boz go. And she does not. And instead, she doesn't tell anybody where she's going. She doesn't tell her staff where she's going. Instead, she and her boyfriend at the time get in the car and drive from Atlanta to Honduras. And don't tell anybody. This is pre-social media days. So, you know how now, like, she'd probably be posting on Instagram, you know, doing lives, talking about the herbs she's taking and shit like that. You know, now she'd be at a... At a um, a gas station in Texas, and someone would have a picture of her, you know. But at the time, she was missing, and she wasn't telling anybody where she was. No one knew where she'd gone. She was off the grid. Like she, there are flyers with her face on it. She was missing. People were looking for her, and she was in fucking Honduras. And there's video of her like kind of being like, "Oh, they're freaking out because they can't find me and stuff." And I'm like, and essentially when they realized she was in Honduras, because people were like, I saw her in Miami and I saw her in LA. Like, it was a big fucking deal. Um, when they found her, when she made contact again, people were pissed because it's nothing like being missing and people been looking for you and your ass is playing games. Okay? There's nothing like that. Um, and so the eve of this... <laughs> This was like a lot of background, but they cover this in the documentary. They just don't do it chronologically. I'm doing this chronologically. So this doc starts on the eve of a trip to Honduras. Okay. She, it's just a lot of misunderstandings and disappointments. And she's like, I'm going to go on a 30 day cleansing. She brings her families and friends, her sister, her younger sister, raindrop, um, spelled like rain, like let freedom rain. (laughs) raindrop her, her younger brother Donald or older brother Donald and or Ronald excuse me and you know a group she was managing I always thought it was black because you know what let me stop let me make sure I got this right okay so I always knew Lisa Lopez had something to do with uh with black she they met when they first started they met her brother in Atlanta and he introduced them to her and she signed to her production company. That's what she had to do with them. But they were not in the dock with her. And I, I've, for years I've been saying they were there and they weren't. It was another group called Egypt that she was managing at the time. So it's Egypt. It's a brother and a sister, you know, her assistant of people. They're going down to Honduras. So they, and they're supposed to go for 30 days to like a spiritual retreat in a mysterious spiritual <laughs> place. I don't fucking know. And so they get down there. Um... They get down there and she, you know, they're, they're, you know, enjoying the sights and stuff. Um, she's got Egypt singing at a Honduras prison for the inmates. And the next day she puts them on a cleansing diet from, you know, her good friend, Dr. Selby. And she has all these herbs and like these huge, I mean, there's like garbage bags full of herbs. I'm like, damn girl. 
Um, and it's like they make a tea out of these herbs and they have to take it instead of eating. And some of the girls vomit at the goddamn table, guys. Vomit. Um, one of the girls tries again and throws up again. And Lisa's been doing this off and on for like three years. And they're like, Lisa, you didn't take yours. And she's like, okay. And she just goes in there and takes it. No problem. It's like, now we're going on a hike. <laughs> um, this is the part where they, they bring up that Lisa was raising a little girl named Snow. Well, apparently when she was in rehab, she met a single mother. And agreed to help her raise her daughter. And I was like, that's all. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like she met someone in rehab and was just like, oh, you struggling? Don't worry. I'll raise your kid when you get out. And there's lots of video and there's lots of like, not a lot, but there's some footage of her playing with snow and like talking about raising how her kids, like, cause she's saying my kids are going to feel this way. And she's talking about snow. And I'm like, did you adopt that kid? What is going on? Or did you, or is it more like the mother just lets you set her stay there? Or like, and I wonder what happened to Snow after Lisa died. Did they just drop her back off at her mom's house? Why is she not, is she in Honduras with them? She's not in Honduras with them, is she? I don't know. It was just like a random part. Um, so, you know, while they're, they're there, she has been confiding in people that she thinks, you know, we just get a lot of like footage of her talking about her life. And this is where most of what I've been talking about comes from. Um, a lot of footage of her naked, like in waterfalls and stuff and how she, she's just naked in the jungle at one point and there, and she's like, I really wanted, when I was younger, people would ask me what I wanted and say, I want to be in the jungle, naked, friends with animals. And here I am in the jungle naked and I'm friends with animals <laughs> and it's stuff like that that makes the doc eerie to me that it's it's you can feel something unsettling going on with Lisa the way she's talking and stuff and it could be anything it really could be anything it could be the fact that she's going through a change in her life a, a really tough change in her life where she has to figure out what the fuck she wants to do um, she's been successful. She's done the things that she wanted to do, but like there's other things she wanted to do and she, it feels like she's never going to get to do them. Um, it could be, she's 30. She's, she's like getting older. It'd be the fact that she hasn't eaten a whole lot that she's, that they are doing this cleansing on and off and they're just drinking the tea. And I think maybe having like a, a vegan meal at the end. I'm hoping at the end of the day, I'm hoping they're not. Well, I mean, it's too late now. It's nothing we can do about it now. But, like, I'm just, like, hoping that they actually have meals at the end of the day. <clears throat> and not at the end of, um, not at the end of, like, a week or something like that. Because at one point, she's really excited to have grits and avocado. Um, so it could be that, too. But she's talking strangely. And the way she's showing off this self-harm scars. And the way she's, in the way she is talking about her life. And about numbers and things like that. And about what the future is eerie. And keep in mind that when I watched this, I had no idea how it ended. I mean, I knew how Lisa ended, but I had no idea how this doc ended. So that's one of the reasons it settled me so much. So she's been confiding in people that she believes a spirit is chasing her and trying to kill her. And... This is one of those things that, like, she's about to die. So, like, 
after she dies, you're like, oh my God, she was right. But here's the thing. People like that say shit like that all the time. Like, oh, there's a spirit after me. Like me. I'm always, I don't say there's spirits after me. But I'll say something like, um, like, I just don't, I only plan to live till 40. And and by planned, I only had like plans till 40. I don't mean like. I, I plan to die after 40. I just, that's where my plans ended. And so now I'm like, okay, well, how long am I going to live? Could it be tomorrow? Like, what's what's the, what's the deal here? And I talk about that openly. So, but if I say, well, I, you know, I only have a limited time on this earth. And then I get hit by a bus the next day. People are like, oh, she fucking knew. But they'll, they'll forget the fact that I say that all the time. I only have a limited time on this earth. I said it every day, not just that one day. And so, like, it's possible this is how Lisa talks, but because of the circumstances, it feels eerie. Um, she's having dreams about the end of the world. And so we get to the point where she's only got one week there. She's supposed to have one week left there. She's supposed to have 30 days. And she's like, I don't know, they've been playing waterfalls and running around naked. And she's starting to move fast on the things she wants to do. She's taking video of things and and we see that she starts the video of like her performing and like poetry and things. And we see that she begins to lose control of the filming. We see an argument between her assistant and the crew and, and she's losing control of the, of the, of everyone's diet too, because then we see Egypt, like the, the girls in a store, like getting Tostitos and shit like that. Cause I mean, they fucking hungry. <laughs> um, and on day 25 of the trip, she's talking a lot about getting back into the studio and work. And she's having a lot of premonitions of bad things happen. And again, bad things happen, but she seems like a person that has premonitions all the time and nothing happens. And it just so happened that bad things happened at this point. Well, the bad thing that happens is a little boy dies. Her assistant is driving and a boy runs into the street and is killed by the car. Um, it... It doesn't seem to be anything they would have done, but Lisa's riding in the car. And we see footage of him in the hospital getting the news that he's brain dead. And the mother's crying really hard. They're translating for her. And I'm like, you guys are filming her? Why are you filming her finding out her little boy is brain dead? And like, also, like, you guys are talking in English. She doesn't speak English. They're like, trans. there's a translator here. There's a lot of things going on here. And we don't need you filming this. She ends up paying for his hospital and funeral expenses. And as she leaves the hospital and they get in the car, there's a huge dent in the front of the car. And I'm like, is that, that come from the little boy? You guys are just driving around with this big ass little boy dent in your fucking little boy shaped dent in your car. Lisa believes that the spirit that is following her mistakenly killed the boy. Um, we see footage of her holding the shoes. Um, and they belong to him. And she's saying these belong to him. And she's telling him his last name is Lopez. And that like furthers her belief that the spirit was chasing her, trying to kill her and killed him instead. So it's day 27 and Lisa's feeling good and goes to get some footage of the town or something. She wants to get some footage some, to, to help with the doc. And 
they are driving and she's driving and her assistant is filming her and the girls from Egypt are in the back and suddenly like they're just talking suddenly they veer off the road and you can see they veer off the road because the person filming moves the camera from the back to Lisa and you see Lisa looks scared to like they're swung the camera so you can see the girls in the back Lisa's face and then the fact that they're driving off the road and you just hear a lot of screaming and the camera goes black and she died and the first time I watched this I was like really unsettled by this because it was so quick the doc's only like an hour and a half long but because so much of it is spent with her telling her story talking about Andre doing weird stuff in the in the like painting things I mean she's such a good artist so jealous of people who can like visually show things like that her painting stuff her playing Tarzan with her boyfriend while she's supposed to be missing and everybody's mad at her and they're naked in the fucking waterfall pretending like um there's so much like footage from the behind the music uh, uh show and episode and like them doing like a VMA's performance which was really good and like it just suddenly takes a downturn and you're like oh this is not I don't feel good about this and I was at home watching it alone you know I was at work nights then and it just happened and I didn't realize this was gonna happen I'm fucking watching VH1 for god's sake and I don't know, it's unsettling. It's unsettling to listen to someone's voice the entire doc and then watch them die, you know? So that's pretty much the end. Like, there's a little, like, wrap-up. Um, she died in that car wreck. 30,000 people attended her funeral. It ends with a Lisa voiceover talking about there are so many things to see and do and what her future's gonna be like. And she's obviously saying that before she died. Um... Yeah, like, okay, so, like, I was so unsettled watching this again. I had to, like, go watch some K-pop videos. Because, <laughs> and maybe you guys should do that, too. Um, like, a part of me is like, Princess, didn't you tell yourself to be doing dark shit during your dark time of the year? But I'm glad I rewatched it. I'm glad I talked about it. I I don't get to talk about TLC that much. <laughs> and I had a good time doing it. Um, uh, if you guys want to watch this documentary, it is on YouTube. Uh, just search Last Days of the Left Eye and it'll be on there. Um, and that's it. So next week, you guys aren't going to see me. I'm going to be doing the turkey thing with my kids and my husband. And after that, we'll come back and I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do when I come back, but I'll have at least one episode before we start season nine of By Pumpkin. And until then, 